Hey there, it's Michelle Pilpich. I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your host of this podcast, Simply Intuitive. On the show, we are talking about all things intuitive eating, active living, and breaking down what's true versus what's a myth in the wellness world so that you can focus on simple and sustainable ways to actually improve your health. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all of the health information floating around and you just want to know what to do to feel your best, you're in the right place. Not only are specific tips coming your way, but you can also count on conversations that will challenge your perspective on what health really means. So I hope you'll stick around for many episodes to come, but for now, let's get into today's show. Hey guys, it's Michelle. I am here with Molly today, who is an ultra marathoner based in Austin. She is newly rebranded to at your running BFF on Instagram. You're probably already following her and her amazing page. And if you're not, please start right now or right after this. Molly, thanks for chatting with me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. Your your Instagram page just like gives off such good vibes and already the how many minutes of chatting that we've had before starting, I'm like, I'm just in the best mood. <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> Great vibes all around. So before we dive into talk about running, which we'll do a lot of, can you kind of tell us who you are, what you do, what you're all about? Sure. Um, So like Michelle said, I'm Molly and I'm a full-time copywriter based here in Austin. My husband and I live here. We've lived here for about three years and I have been freelancing for about two and a half. So I have a wide variety of clients who I do their social media marketing for. Um, It's a ton of fun and being freelance also allows me to spend a little bit more time doing running and sometimes I take a little bit too long on my run. So (laughs) I start my work days a little bit too late. So um, it's great. It's allowed me just to um, find a good rhythm and balance to my life. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. I am so here for that. The the running on your breaks and your lunch break and your morning break all the time. <laughs> Definitely. Sometimes it's a mad dash to get back to meetings that start at nine. I'm like, oh no, okay, this is turning into a speed workout instead of a slow run. Got it. <laughs> yeah, the 9 a.m. always cuts it close because I always want to linger for the coffee after a run yes. and all that. Yes. You need the whole experience. <laughs> so tell us about how you got started running. When, like, have you done this your whole life? No, definitely not. Um, so I was a, I was a soccer player growing up. Just, I mean, did it for fun, like in school and whatnot. Well, and literally my least favorite part of running or of soccer was the running part, which is so funny because so much of soccer is running, but I like hated <laughs> running unless it was after like running after the ball. So any of the drills that we mm-hmm. had to do any like sprints on the field after practice, or if we got in trouble and would like have to run around the field, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, I remember I did cross country one year in either middle school or like my freshman year. And I was like, that is the worst thing ever. Like I will never do any more type of running. Like, yeah, I was like, that is so bad. And so freshman year of college was just trying to find a, you know, didn't have soccer anymore. was just trying to find a fun way to stay in shape. And so I started just to casually run again. And it was really hard for me. I could not run a mile without needing to walk, which is fine. That's totally great. But um, that's kind of where I was in my running journey. And my brother signed up for a marathon. My brother and I both 
went to the same college and it was um, the Dallas Marathon. And so that December, my whole family like went out, cheered them on. And I was like, that was the coolest thing in the entire world to see all of those runners out there, like working so hard, like you could see them struggling, but also like pushing through the pain. And I was like, that is so inspirational. Like, I want to do that. And my dad and my sister were like, yeah, like we'll do it too. And so the three of us, like, yeah, the three of us all signed up for one, um, not that February, but like the following February, there's one in Mm -hmm. Fort Worth, which is where I'm from called the Cowtown. So um, we ended up training for one. Yeah. So my dad, my sister and I all did our first one together, which is so much fun. And I mean, I signed up for that marathon when I still was struggling to run one full mile without walking. And through the process of training, I just fell in love with running. It did not happen overnight. It didn't happen in the first week, didn't happen in the first month. But I would say by like month four, I had seen how my body had gotten more in shape and not like physically, but just like I was able to then, you know, run eight miles without walking. And that to me was so cool to like see and experience the progress that I had through training. And it was just the most rewarding experience. And so I just fell in love with running then and started running marathons then. So I've been doing it for a while now. It's been about nine or 10 years of running and still love it. (laughs) Still here. We have such a similar experience. And I feel like this is common, the road from sports to like team sports to running as a goal because you just miss it. I played field hockey in high school and same thing. So kind of similar like setup, you know, field sport requires a lot of running, but I remember when we had to do those mile repeat work, like that one day of preseason where we're doing two times, two whole miles. It was like the worst day that we all dreaded. (laughs) And then once I got to college, I was like, oh, I don't have a sport and ran my first half marathon. Um, And I'm so curious, someone should research this if they haven't, how many people sign up for their first race after watching a marathon? (laughs) Because you're right, it's so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. I would be curious too, like, cause I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I could never do that. And honestly, that's one of my least favorite things that people say to me when they hear that I run them because I'm like, right. well, why couldn't you like what separated yeah. me from you? I'm like, I'm tr- trust me, there's nothing special about me that made me be able to do it. <laughs> so I promise you could do it too. So yeah, I would be curious how many people are like, wow, that was so cool. I want to run one. <laughs> right, right. And how many people actually do it then? Because I feel like yeah. everyone says it, Daya, but then... It's like, definitely. Wait, I was just kind of on a high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on a high with them too. Yeah, I'll leave that for that. Right, right. I'll leave that. But you're so right that training experience is just so crazy. I've only done one marathon so far, and hopefully we'll do my second this year. And every time I hit a new distance that I had never completed before, I was like, oh my God, I'm capable of running 18 miles, 20 miles, like yeah. that's crazy. And it was just yeah. such a thrill. It was, I mean, yeah. hard, but yeah, it really is so fun and so important. I think for that to be where you're getting the joy versus looking mm-hmm. for those like appearance aesthetic changes. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think if you're in it for the aesthetics, you will not, I don't know. It can be a, it can be a messy thing if you're in it for the aesthetics. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, so you did, you've done, how many marathons have you done? I've done 10. Whoa. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. <laughs> oh 
and you have now upped it to ultra marathons. So how yeah. did that process go? What made you decide like, okay, 26 miles wasn't enough? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I pretty consistently did one marathon a year, um, starting with that Cowtown, which I guess was my sophomore year of college. And then would do one every single year until COVID hit. And then uh, like the rest of the world, you know, took a break for like two and a half years or whatever. And so, um, and I would literally, I would train for six months and then just be, I think I approached my training so differently back then than I do now and would just really burn out. And so at the end of the marathon, I was like, okay. And like, didn't move for six months. And so I would be in (laughs) shape for six months and then, yeah. And then just like fall out of shape for six months. So my approach is just so different now. And my relationship with running is just so different now. Um, but after COVID hit, I ran a marathon in San Antonio and then 10 weeks later, and we were still, we moved to Austin at the height of COVID. And so our experience was so weird in Austin. Mm -hmm. And then the first year it was back after COVID. Um, the marathon was back after COVID. It was 10 weeks after the San Antonio marathon. And I was like, that sounds so fun. I was like, I, is it too soon after? I was like, I don't know. And decided just to go for it. I'd never done marathons like so close together. And Austin marathon, like to this day is still one of my favorite days ever. Like it was so much fun. Like the race was amazing. The energy was amazing. Like my, almost my entire family got to come and like my sister surprised me. So it was just like the best day. And so after that marathon, it was my ninth marathon. I kind of was like, okay, what, like, what is next? I know mm-hmm. like through the course of running nine marathons, I love, I love long distance. I really don't like training for speed. And I've even now, so training for ultras, I've really like solidified, like distance is my thing. Speed. Mm-hmm. It's great. I will do speed work. It's fine. But like, I really find so much joy in the long distance. Um, a few years ago, I didn't even know ultras existed. I feel like I've just become introduced to ultra marathons and I, have just become introduced to trail running, living in Austin. Like I found like Austin has amazing trails to run on. And so I kind of knew that after the marathon, I was like, maybe I should try, like, maybe I should try a trail race. And so I had done one small trail race during COVID. And so it was kind of just the combination of, I finally knew about ultras. I didn't previously know about them. I had done so many marathons and was ready to see if I could push myself like more, mentally and physically, like, see what am I actually made of? Like, can I push myself to go farther? Like, I know I can do this 26.2 distance and I'm not that interested in getting my time down. That just doesn't really excite me. And I I run because it's fun. Um, So I want to do another race that's like fun for me. So yeah, yeah, I was just ready, ready for something else. And an ultra sounded really fun to me. So I was just ready to jump all into the ultra distances. I love that. And that's such a great, um, I don't know what, alternate endeavor, I guess, because you hear so much in the running community and from marathon runners, especially it's like qualifying for Boston is this like ultimate goal. And like, when am I going to be Q? And I'm like you, I'm in it for fun. I, at this point in my life, like, I don't care if I ever qualify for Boston, maybe I'll want to at some point, but right now I'm like, I'm not super fast. I'm like, that's fine. I just mm-hmm. want to be enjoying myself. And Same. I don't know if I'm going to do ultras, but, <laughs> but <laughs> like, that's so great for you to know that about yourself and know that, okay, like, this is what's fun. Let me go for that. And I don't have to be like everyone else and be chasing this goal that's not really mine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure one day 
getting my time down will be something that is so exciting and so thrilling for me. But right now it's not there. So I don't know why I would try and force something that's not there for me when I do know that I love another aspect of running and that's the long distances. So. Exactly. And so what distance is considered an ultra? Is it anything longer than a marathon? Yeah. So it's kind of confusing. Um, I feel like especially to people who haven't run them or aren't interested in them, but yeah, it's technically anything over a marathon is considered an ultra marathon. So I could be sitting next to someone who's run a 100 miler and that's an ultra marathon. Me who mm-hmm. so far has only done a 50 K that's also an ultra marathon. So only. literally <laughs> only, yeah, only <laughs> runners are so annoying, <laughs> um, but yeah, anything over a marathon is an ultra marathon. Cool. So you've done one so far, is that mm-hmm. right? And yep. do you have another one planned? I do in um, 15 days. In 15 days, I will. What? I know it's literally. I I don't know how it is <laughs> so soon, but yeah, 15 days. I will be um, hopefully running 50 miles. Hopefully crossing the finish line. I will for sure be attempting 50 miles. miles. <laughs> okay, so that'll probably be like a day or two after this is posted. So oh wow. oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you can listen to yourself for inspiration. Yeah. On your oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Me out there just, like, walking and slowly dying at, like, mile 43. I'll just put myself on for some inspiration. Yes. That's, that'll be just what I need. Yeah. <laughs> and so are all ultra marathons on trails? Not all of them, but majority are. Um, okay. Yeah. I I think I know of some 50Ks that are on the road. Like I know the Dallas Marathon has a 50K and that's a road race. Oh, um, wow. I was going to say, I have no idea once you get into like 50 milers or, you know, mm-hmm. 100Ks. I have no idea if there are any of those that exist on the road, but majority yeah. are definitely um, trail races, just like majority of marathons or road races. It's kind of like majority of ultras are trails. Right. Cool. And I've heard that ultras are just a different culture that's kind of more relaxed and like different, different fueling strategies. So I've For heard sure. people like For stop sure. and eat burgers and quesadillas. <laughs> Can you talk about what the, uh, what the vibes are like in an ultra? Yeah. I know. I've been like, y'all, I'm so excited to like chow down on some pizza ramen and quesadillas for this race. Like, let's That's go. I love all those foods. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's, I'm, oh I'm curious what it'll be like for the 50 miler, because I feel like for the 50K, my feeling strategy was definitely different. So I can talk about that. But the mm-hmm. 50K, I, I think one of the biggest pieces of advice you hear for ultras is like, don't spend too long at the aid stations because it'll just like slow down your momentum. And so I kind of knew that headed in. I was like, okay, keep going. Like you have your fuel. You do not need anything at those tents unless you're hurting, like just keep going. So I didn't eat anything. And I also didn't want to eat anything that would hurt my stomach that I hadn't Mm -hmm. tried while um, training for the 50 miler, I know that's just not going to be possible. Like I'm going to need some of that food because I'm out there for such a long time. And it's just so much food to like pack and make sure I'm like getting in the calories. But, um, yeah, I mean, the training has just been so different from like training for a marathon. Like you actually eat like you eat real food training for an ultra, which you can too for a marathon, but it's not, I 
wouldn't say you see that many people like slamming a right. PB and J when you're running a marathon. <laughs> like that's yeah, pretty that normal, normal for an ultra. Um, just because you burn so many calories and you have to like give your body the fuel more. Um, right. I, I can't think- imagine fueling an ultra with only gels that would probably be the most disgusting experience right I think I've I've heard from people too it's like your body to a certain point will start to like reject the gels too Mm -hmm. like if you only eat that because for a marathon obviously everyone is different and how much you need for the marathon will be different but most people typically do like a gel every 30 to 45 minutes and for an ultra people are looking at obviously the higher distance you go you'll be eating more i.e like the pizza and the quesadilla and stuff like that um but for the ultra like my plan is to try and get like 300 or 350 calories per hour which is so different from a marathon and like you can't do that only with gels like you would be eating so many gels an hour (laughs) nonstop. that's that's literally so gross to think about (laughs) yeah so real food it is that's that's cool it makes it it's an added challenge I mean I think it's so ironic for myself as a dietitian fueling was probably my biggest struggle in my first marathon because I had never done that distance so I had never learned how to fuel while running and now it's something I'm so interested in learning about for myself and my clients and and everything there are so many strategies like you said everyone's different and it's so important to learn and I was just Mm -hmm. of course filming a TikTok today about this (laughs) I used to never eat before before my runs because I was afraid of getting cramps I was afraid of having stomach aches I just didn't want to and I most prefer running in the morning. So I thought, well, Mm -hmm. early morning, I don't need it. I'll have breakfast after. And then in college, when I was training for that very first half marathon, this is so hilarious to me now as a dietitian and a runner, I would get up early before my roommate was awake and be like rifling through my snacks in my dorm room. And I would literally eat a handful of almonds before I went for a run. Which is the worst thing to do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like your fat so bad. And I mean, it was fine, but not ideal at all. I would never recommend that. You definitely want your carbs. Bagels are now my best friend. And it yeah. wasn't even it wasn't even from like a toxic diety place. It was pure lack of knowledge. Um, yeah. but yeah. Now I'm all about that pre-run bagel every time. <laughs> That is so funny. It's crazy because I've been running for so long. And I I do remember, again, I feel like, I mean, social media was, I'm not that old. Social media was definitely Mm -hmm. around like when I started running, (laughs) but running content creators were not, not a thing. If they were a thing, I, I didn't see them. I didn't, I didn't know who they were. Um, And so, I I mean, I feel like the only, like, Runner's World is still a really great resource, and I still use them as a resource. That was the only resource, though, that I, like, knew of to go to. And so, I think there's also just so many more, like, brands, resources, places to go to find for information. So, when I started running, like, the only goos that I knew of were goo. And goo works great, Mm -hmm. like, for so many people, but it's, like, they just destroyed my stomach. Like, they have never worked for me and I remember suffering through so many marathons with like upset stomachs because I didn't know how else to fuel and like right I think about that nowadays there's so many like 
other like content creators that are talking about different ways to fuel online or let's just like other places where you could get that information. And, you know, even how I didn't know like ultra marathons existed, like back then, I know ultras have been around for such a long time that I just feel like the like pool of information, like that I felt like when I started running was just like so small. And now it just seems like it's really cool. There's like such an easy, like, seems like there's an easier way to see information for runners, including like all this information on how to fuel, how to get started with fueling and yeah. all this stuff. So yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. So what's your go-to fuel now? Yeah. For marathons. Um, marathons. Yeah. 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 They're two different ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for marathons, I really like the Humagels, the ones with the chia seeds and them. And I just discovered those like a year ago. They sit really I've, well with my stomach. I've seen so many people who say that they have a sensitive stomach really love those, which mm-hmm. confused me at first. I just saw, oh, they have chia seeds. And I was like, oh, fiber, fat. Like, I'm not going to have that. That won't be good. But a lot of people say they're good for a sensitive stomach. So I need to try them. Yeah, they've been, they're very sweet. I like love them and thought no one could ever say anything bad about them. And then a couple of <laughs> people like commented and were just like, oh, they're too sweet for me. And I was like, Oh, I never thought I never thought that. So if you don't love super sweet too, I love super. Well, is it fruity sweet or like vanilla sweet or something? Fruity sweet, fruity sweet. Okay, good. Yes, I love fruity sweet. I also love like dessert sweet. Same. (laughs) I I love any kind of sweet. Yeah, any sweet. Yeah, my mom would always like not really make fun of me, but just be surprised when I was little and we went out to brunch, I would always get chocolate chip pancakes and then put syrup on them. And she'd be like, that's so sweet. And I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. Like, I yeah. still won't do that. <laughs> so same, that's literally same. sweet that I like. <laughs> so I think oh, they're same. for me. Yeah. No, you would, you would love them. I'm uh, literally obsessed with them. I do those in like the honey stinger chews or waffles. Yeah. Um, yes, I, love I love those. I like forgot about them for a while. I, I did eat those back in the day too. And then just kind of like forgot about them. And now they've, they've come back in as I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to eat while I'm out in Arizona for like a thousand miles in hours eating everything. And they've made their way back in and they're, they're great. But I usually just Is do that. Is the ultra in Arizona? Uh-huh. Is it going to be crazy hot? That's what I was nervous about. Um, I know. Well, I, I almost didn't. Winter. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's going to be in the 60s, which, I mean, isn't ideal. It'll be fine. It's like 60 here right now, and I am sweating like a monster. But (laughs) people people have reminded me that it's dry heat in Arizona, and obviously Texas isn't dry heat. So we'll see. We're going to... We're going to find out. (laughs) (laughs) You'll keep us posted along the way. I truthfully, I haven't, I haven't checked the weather since like I signed up just like Googling, like uh, what's the temperature in this place in March. So I I literally haven't even checked to see what it's going to be. So I feel very, I kind of love that. (laughs) I love See, I, whenever I'm like about to do a race, I'll be talking to friends in my running club and they're all talking about like, oh, well the route goes here and here. And I'm like, I literally didn't look at the course map. I have no idea. Oh, I will not. I will not look at, no, do not show me that thing. I'm like, it looks so long if you look at it and you're like, I'm sorry, I'm running where? Like how am I getting from this point to this point? Like you want me to run that? It just looks so long when you put, yeah, when you put it in like a course map, it like freaks me out. I will not, I will not look at that thing. (laughs) 
I also feel like, what's the point? I'm like, I'm doing it yeah. either way. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's more exciting if I just figure it out as I go. I'm not yeah. going to get and lost. And it's marked. Like, you're, yeah, exactly. it's marked. You're not going right. to get lost. Why would you need to look at it? Yeah, same, same. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not alone. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> this is true. Okay, I love that approach. And I think this just speaks to like I was saying, the whole vibe of your page and your message about running. And I want to circle back to when you were talking about how you used to train for marathons and burn yourself out for six months and then do nothing. So can you talk about how your general approach to running has shifted, what it was and what your kind of philosophy is now? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I really think I burned out because I was only running and I didn't really know. Again, I think I just, I don't know if I didn't know where to look or I just like didn't want to look or was just like (laughs) unintelligent in my approach. I really don't know what it was, but you know, it was 10 years ago when I started. So I do know there was definitely less information. I know there was information, Mm -hmm. but there is less information, but literally all I did was run. I didn't do any strength training, I didn't do speed. I didn't do speed workouts because I didn't like running for speed. Like all I did was run. And so I feel like by the time six months of only running came, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to do that anymore. And I would be injured because all I had done, I'm not the best at stretching. I'm working on that now, but back then (laughs) I was still not that great at stretching. So I would usually be injured a lot. And so I would have to take time off anyways, because like my knee was hurting or something like that. So it was really just kind of this cycle. I don't know why it took me so long to like piece together what was going wrong, like always being injured. Okay. That means you should strength train, but like (laughs) something was not, something was not clicking back then. Um, But I would say it was during, it was during COVID when I finally started like doing more strength training. I had signed up for the marathon in San Antonio and started, I, on social media, I heard about the concept of 80% easy runs and 20% hard runs. I'd never heard of that before. And I was like, Hmm. I was like, I definitely wasn't doing that for any of my previous marathons, but like that actually makes a lot, that makes a lot of sense. Like that sounds really cool. And so I started implementing the 80, 20 rule and I felt like I just had so much more fun, like knowing that like 80% of these runs essentially like, I'm just chilling. Like I'm literally just chilling when I'm out there on the runs. Not that I've ever really cared that much about my time, but it literally, literally was just like, okay, no pressure when I'm out there. And then I know for like just such a small percentage, like give it your all, push it and like go really hard. And then there's just no pressure on these other runs and adding in the variety of, okay, some hill workouts, some speed workouts, the easy runs. I've always loved long runs. I always look forward to doing those on the weekends. Like I don't, I've never once been like, oh no, a long run. Like I just love those because I zone out and I get to like think about whatever. So those are like such a joy for me. But I think just having the variety of the different types of workouts and you know, knowing that like, you're really not supposed to be pushing it on every single run. I think all of that combined has just completely changed it. And I haven't burnt out because there's all these different, every single day is something different. Yes, I'm right now I'm running six days a week, which I've never done before, but um, they're all different kinds of runs. And so that's been really cool. Variety really is the spice of life. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> That's what they say, isn't it? <laughs> and that 80-20 rule is key. And I think it is 
well, at least in the self-selected curation of running people I follow on social media, that message is out there a lot more that like most of your runs should be a really slow pace, should Mm -hmm. feel really easy. Yet in practice, I think it's not that common that people are actually doing that. And people do still want to show off their pace for Strava or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. So how do you stay out of comparison? I know it's easy for me to get wrapped up in comparing to my friends who are faster than me. How do you maintain a solid mindset that doesn't get you sucked into that world? Yeah. Um, Well, one, I'm not on Strava. I have heard a lot of people mention that like, (laughs) yeah, I've heard a lot of people mention that like they compare themselves on Strava. Then I'm like, what are you doing then? Like, what's the point of being on there if you're finding yourself exactly. comparing? Like, I turned off. I'm still on it. I don't know why. Well, my brother's <laughs> is really funny, and he posts every now and then, and so comedic yeah. effect. But yeah. I had to turn off my notifications so that, and without notifications, I don't go on it as much. But I saw this hilarious TikTok the other day. I, it was the most accurate depiction of Strava because it was like people on Strava will be like. Um, like have their run their run titled like easy run and then <laughs> justifying their pace in the comments and it's like oh well my pace was only so slow because I got run over by four trucks and then I had to like stop and say <laughs> I, I think I saw that too yeah I was like this is so true whenever someone has a slow pace they're like justifying oh I forgot to pause my watch or whatever yeah and I yeah. never pause my watch on a run because then I forget to restart it and I'm like I'll yeah. just take the slow pace like I don't care you know yeah yeah literally and I think I mean, it's it's not good advice, so I'm so sorry. But it's like, <laughs> I, I genuinely, I don't care. Like, why would I care? Why would I care that someone else is running a nine-minute mile? That literally has – I've said literally so much on this podcast. I say it so much. But, like, <laughs> it has it has nothing – doing a podcast or public speaking makes you so aware of, like, the word that you say all the time. You're like, oh, my gosh. It really does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, someone else's nine-minute mile has – nothing to do with me like I'm Mm -hmm. not trying to win a race I'm not even trying to Boston qualify and even if I was like her time is not going to take away from my time so why on earth would I care if someone's running a nine minute mile I'm so excited for her like she's probably training for something and I should be so excited for her that she was like training so hard for it so I genuinely just I mean not to say that I'm not like paying attention to other people and I'm not like proud of them and excited for them but it's like I just, I don't care. I don't care. Um, I just feel like people's paces just like don't have anything to do with me. So I, like, I don't know. I don't know why they would affect me. I'm, I'm sure if I was like competitively training for something, I would maybe struggle with comparison. And there's other things about like being online that like sometimes get to me about comparison, but like people's Mm -hmm. paces, no, they do not. They do not. (laughs) At the beginning, at the beginning of my running journey, I definitely struggled like feeling like I wasn't a runner because I felt like everyone was super fast. And even then I wasn't posting online. I think it was just this like mentality I had in my head that like, if you run marathons, you're supposed to look this way. You're supposed to like run this way. And it's supposed to be like X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, I don't fit into that mold. So like, can I even call myself a runner? Like, are people going to look at me when I say I've run a marathon and are they like even going to believe me? Like, am I going to have to prove myself? So I feel like that was like, a hurdle that I had to get through like for like my first like five marathons like I was just like oh I just don't want to tell anyone because I feel like they're 
just not going to believe me because I don't look like a runner. So I think sometimes it's more like I struggled with comparison of like, oh, well, I don't look like a runner. And so then that makes it really difficult. But I don't think in terms of like paces, I've ever had a hard time of like, oh, well, they're faster than me. And so I'm less of a runner. Like, I don't know. I just, I think there's something to be said about like, okay, well, you still went out and ran the exact same mile as she did. Y'all literally ran the exact same distance and a mile is a mile. And so you can celebrate your own accomplishment and also celebrate and also celebrate her mile too. Like there's nothing from her mile that's going to take away from your mile and like vice versa. And I think if you can just like approach it from the celebration standpoint of like what you both accomplish versus like, well, her mile takes away from like mine because that's not true. Like people's paces don't like take away from other people's. And then if you're following people that are making you feel insecure, like about your times or making you feel like you're too slow to be a runner, then I would probably just like put them on mute or unfollow them or something like that. Right. I feel like I need an applause sound effect for everything you just said. Yes. <laughs> I, t- I touched on like 27 different topics just then. I don't even know what I just said. Amazing. And I am about to circle back to all of them because we're really covering the gamut of insecurities with both of us here because I, I wanted to dive into this idea of like what a runner is. And there is the idea of like, the the paces and the distances and then also the look and the like size and image and body type and they're both Mm -hmm. so toxic and for me I have always been in a thin body it's just my genetics um Mm -hmm. and so I do have that like oh she looks like a some random guy on an airplane once years ago was like are you a runner you look like a runner I was like (laughs) Oh my god, yeah, I am. Like so <laughs> flattered in my naivety. I was like, wow. Like he was probably just, I don't know, being obnoxious. But I have <laughs> never been a fast runner. And I so I've only done one marathon. And when I this is so sad, and I don't know if I've ever really talked about this, but meaning publicly. Um yeah. when I finished that first marathon, I was so upset because it wasn't the time I expected. And I have never said, like, I will say, oh, I completed a marathon. I never, ever, ever tell people how long it took me because this is the first time I'm saying it out loud. I ran that marathon in six hours and I was like, oh my God, like that's humiliating, which I would never say to anyone else. And last year, I remember watching the coverage of the final finishers of the marathon. And I was like, these are the most inspiring people in the world. But then I look at myself and I was like, oh, well, I'm a piece of trash for like six hours, which, and it it just wasn't what I expected. And like, I had an, I'm not even going to say I had an off day because that's me trying to, I'm doing this. (laughs) (laughs) But like that was what it was. That was my first marathon. That was my experience. And I was like, literally, I remember telling my family, like, I feel like this marathon doesn't even count. Like I'm not really a marathoner because it was so bad and all of this horribly toxic stuff. And so that's where I really get stuck on the comparisons. And I'm trying not to, because you're right. Like, and this is what friends and family told me, like, you finished that distance. Like right. so many people didn't or couldn't or wouldn't. And like you did. And so there's that side of it, which I am always working on and not paying attention to the pace. And just like my only goal with that marathon and with 
any ones I do in the future is to enjoy it. And yep. I didn't really enjoy it because of just <laughs> You're like, like goal not accomplished. Goal was yeah. not accomplished that day. Okay, great. <laughs> Which was not because of the time. It was like just, I don't know, other reasons, fueling, just things that went wrong. Yeah. But um, but yeah, all I ever want is to have fun. And like you can have fun in six hours. You can have fun in four hours. You can have fun in eight hours. Like it doesn't matter. Um, which I try every day to tell myself, even when I'm just at a like fun run with the run club and I'm behind somebody who I think I shouldn't be behind. It's, it's yeah. tough and it's a mindset we all struggle with. And then there is this other piece of the look and like, I don't fit in with the runners because I'm not thin enough. I'm not like visibly muscular enough. I don't have abs. I don't wear the short shorts or like whatever. Yeah. Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts on that kind of theme and like conversation about this look of a runner. Mm-hmm. Well, before we even get into that, um, I want to tell you my first marathon was also around six hours. I cannot go back and find the time for the life of me, and I really wish I could. Um, yeah. because I would, I would love, to, I would love to have that. I have like gone back into Cowtown tracking and like done, gone back <laughs> into emails, journals, and like cannot find the time, but I swear for the life of me, I'm like pretty confident it was over six hours. Like I pretty vividly remember it being over six hours. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I don't think I was upset, but I want to tell you, um, I shared that on Instagram recently and the amount of people that were like, thank you so much for sharing that your time was six hours because like mine was six hours and I was feeling so upset about it. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so, I think it's so interesting. And I think we can all tell ourselves like, Oh, my goal, my goal is to have fun. But deep down there's still something inside of us. That's like, my goal is to have fun, but my goal is also to like do it in five hours. Like you have this like Mm -hmm. expectation that you're not saying because you're scared to say it and then you're still going to be disappointed. And so I feel like you have to, you still have to do some kind of work to be like, no, like really I am going out to like have a good time and kind of to answer your questions. I think the, like, when you were talking, I was thinking about that and I'm, I'm like not going to be able to say eloquently because I'm like still like, <laughs> I'm like still thinking about it as I'm right. saying it. But I think the hard part is because I've caught, I've caught myself saying that too. I remember on, mm-hmm. um, my husband and I were, um, both in a wedding. And so like the wedding parties were all like hanging out and I was talking with like a bunch of the groomsmen and they were like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize you were a runner. Like, whatever and I was like yeah yeah, yeah, I'm a slow runner though I'm a slow runner and I was Mm -hmm. like everything I do is like I'm just doing it for fun and I kept like prefacing it because I think there was still like something in me that was like okay well I don't look like a runner or like I don't want you to ask my times I don't want you to ask like how long it's taken Mm -hmm. me to complete a marathon because x y and z and it's so it's just so interesting that we like do that I don't know if it's our like instinct to try and like like protect ourselves because I know there's some kind of psychology behind like someone will always make the joke about themselves first if they're scared someone else is going to make it. So I don't know if like, as like a runner, you're like, your insecurity, you're always going to like be the one to like say that. However, I do Mm -hmm. think there's something to be said about runners having conversations with non-runners. There was something you said, like when you're saying you finished like a marathon in six hours and if you're talking about it to a non-runner, it's like, 
there's literally no context. A non-runner isn't right. like they've maybe only heard about someone in the Olympic trials or people who finish like Boston qualifying times and they don't understand that like most people are average runners in like a six hour marathon time is actually so freaking incredible to run like 26.2 miles in. And so I don't even like have a point to what I'm saying, but because I like can't connect my dogs. No, I think people who don't have any interest in running or marathons, they probably hear a time and then completely forget it and they don't even know. And it's more the thought of like, oh my God, you ran for six hours? Like I could never do that. And I also yeah. heard an interview, I think it was on a podcast or something with a professional runner, like Olympic runner saying, actually the people who finish a marathon in, in six hours, he was like, that's way harder than running for mm-hmm. like only two and a half or three hours. Like yeah. I couldn't do the six hours. And so yeah. it's just like, everybody has this different perspective but yeah you're right that like defense mechanism kicks in so much and after that marathon I remember I the main reason I was so upset was because my 20 mile training run had gone so well and then the Mm. race didn't and so I like felt this need to tell people my time for my 20 mile run so that they could Uh. figure out like oh well I should have been here and yeah it's like you just feel this need to like justify things and defend yourself and I still do I still do say like oh well I'm a slow runner I'm slow I'm always slow and like I don't even know why because everyone's definition of slow is different everyone's definition of fast is different and most people don't Don't care. care don't care yeah they don't care I think another thing too like in running groups when people are like oh like or a marathon and they're like that person just passes me like what the heck is I remember in what was it oh I guess I was in a running group like I mean for like a weekend I think I like ran with a running group like one time I was like what was that (laughs) in Dallas and there was um I mean probably someone in their 70s like literally was like keeping up with me and running with me and I was like I am dying right now trying to hold this pace (laughs) And I was like, and you are how much older than me? Like 50 years older than me. And I think people forget because you judge someone who's larger than you, who ran past you. Mm -hmm. You judge someone who looks a certain way or whatever. And one, like body composition literally doesn't mean anything, especially Mm -hmm. like in this sport. Like if you think about it too, I was actually watching like a vlog this morning of like a very in shape, like buff guy who ran like a 100 miler and it's like but when you think about people who run 100 milers that their body composition is so different they are tiny like they are like they're so like thin their muscles are so just like taut I guess is the word but all that to say I don't think people take into account like how long someone has been running or Mm -hmm. like there's just so many things like that point about ultra runners it's like someone might look like they're in shape to run the ultra distance, but it's actually like someone who's, who looks like that, like the ultra fit buff actually isn't the best like body composition to run the ultras. That's actually why like most people out there, like the people running the, the people winning those distances are like a different body type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that like time in the sport plays a really long factor. That's why someone who's literally in their seventies can pass you on a marathon course because they've probably run like hundreds of races 
Yeah, and that time spent doing this is also a matter of someone's lifestyle. So somebody who just is able to dedicate more hours in their day or week to running is going to develop a different body composition more naturally because they simply are spending that time. Like someone who's a pro runner who their work day is training is going to look different. And I always tell my clients, like the only people who have and maintain six packs are the people who are somehow being paid to do so. Like it just doesn't make sense for anyone else. So the people who like, quote unquote, look like a runner are probably in some way being paid to look like a runner or it's genetic and maybe they run fast, maybe they don't, but none of that says anything about someone's worth or like the, um, how deserving they are of actually calling themselves a runner. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So many things I could say about that. So we have touched on the body piece. I also want to talk about food a little more. And I know we talked about like fueling for races, but more broadly outside of race fueling, I would love to hear about your relationship with food in general and kind of how your relationship with running has impacted that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely changed a lot. I think, especially with the ultra running, I would say it's changed Mm -hmm. the most probably in the last year. Um, I feel like, I don't know how old you are, but I feel like, especially like my generation, we grew up a lot with like the good food versus bad food mindset. Yeah. I was a nineties kid. I'm 31. So yes. Okay. Okay. Um, and especially in my home, that was like very, mm-hmm. there were a lot of foods that we were not allowed to have um, at home. And even still, like some days, like in the store, I'll like see stuff that we like weren't allowed to have. And I'm like, I want that yeah. now. I'm like, we couldn't have yes. that as a kid. And like, I want it now. It's <laughs> <Yes>, with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think for a long time, I just really had the mindset of like, oh, that's good for you. Oh, that's bad. Like, oh, I will not eat that because like that is bad for you. And so when ultra training came around and I mean, I saw people eating, like, I think there were a few people that I followed and I saw what they were eating. I was like, whoa. And someone was talking about how like dangerous it is to be training for an ultra and like in a calorie deficit. And she was like, I'm not caring and paying like attention to the ingredients in um the foods that I'm eating because that's not as important as like being in a calorie deficit would be like I need to be making sure that I am eating enough calories over like oh this has fructose in it or whatever and so like seeing people starting to talk about that I was like you know what you're so right and I feel like so much of society now has this like fear of food and like oh these foods are bad for you and if it has this ingredient it's bad for you and I know there are some foods that like yeah they're bad for you and like yes you should watch out for those ingredients but I think a few years ago I would have been like oh my gosh a frozen smuckers pb and j no way like mm-hmm. white bread like frozen like that is so bad for you like I will not eat that and now I'm like oh that's fuel and I need yes. to make sure like I am eating that and I am like getting that in my body because that is going to fuel my run it's fast it's efficient and it gives me exactly like the nutrients that I need for my run and so I think my mindset has really shifted away from like oh that's good that's bad and it's like oh my gosh the fear around food it just like it's it's so worst thing for you exactly I'm just like I feel like some people are so intense about it that I'm like oh my gosh I just like 
I'm at a point where I'm like, I just need to make sure that I'm eating enough. And so again, of course, I know there are obviously foods that are better for you. I am like, I'm getting my fruits, I'm getting my veggies, like fats, Mm -hmm. carbs, all that stuff. But it's like, I am so much more aware of like, why am I just eating enough? And like, if I just need to make sure I'm getting calories and like, I'm okay with like grabbing the things that a few years ago, I never would have reached for them. So I would say I have much less of a fear of like ingredients that are bad for you in a much healthier relationship. That's amazing. And it's, it's another reason why like it really ties into that image of a runner. And it's so important, I think, for people to mentally allow themselves to call themselves a runner, call themselves an athlete, because Mm -hmm. that helps you make that shift towards, okay, well, if I'm an athlete and a runner, I need to fuel and seeing food as fuel versus just calories or just Mm -hmm. ingredients helps you with exactly what you're saying, knowing like, okay, I need this energy to fuel my workouts, to fuel my runs and all of that. And yeah, that good food, bad food mentality is everywhere. <laughs> and it's yeah. so, I mean, I hate it. And obviously I hate it just based on everything I do as a dietitian and specifically working with eating disorders and all of that. Yeah. But um, it's also so situationally dependent. So you know, somebody who never exercises and eats white bread with Mm -hmm. their sandwich every day, multiple times a day. Yeah, that's probably not going to be supporting your health in the best way. But somebody who is expending so much energy through running, you don't even have to be running ultra marathons. You're going to need like carbs, carbs and sugar are probably the most demonized foods and they're the most important foods for runners. So yeah, it's like, you just have to make that connection that like it's energy, it's fuel and that's literally what you need to do what you want to do. And it's even um, in terms of like being in a calorie deficit, being dangerous, pursuing weight loss while simultaneously training for something is literally not recommended. Like if anything, you should probably be gaining weight as a sign that you're fueling adequately. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of made me sad the amount of times in my Q and A's that people have asked for like tips mm-hmm. for weight loss during training. And I, I mean, yeah. I don't answer them because I'm, that's not my field. That's not my yeah. specialty, but it's also like, I know you shouldn't be doing that. I don't even know the right. best way to like word that, but it's like, right. it's, it's so sad. Like you don't have to, I, I don't know. I would just like wonder the place of where they're coming from with that and hope it's not from the place of like, Oh, I don't look like, like what we've been talking about, I don't look like a runner and I want to lose weight, you know? And also brings up the question of, do you even like running at all? Or are you doing yeah. it because you feel like it's yeah. a tool for weight loss and right. coming back to that relationship with exercise more broadly? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great shift that you've had. Do you feel like it's hard to have that mindset in the circles you're in? Like whether it's among other runners or just friends, are you you know, kind of faced with a lot of diet culture and how do you stay, stay in your lane with the mindset you've been able to cultivate around food? That's a good question. Um, honestly, not, not really. I feel like most of my, I mean, I feel like all of my friends have pretty like healthy relationships with like food um, and body image. I mean, I, I've mm-hmm. definitely struggled with, like I mentioned earlier, like with like body image and compared to people like online and stuff. But I think so much of that 
comes down to like, okay, there's different genetics, there's different, like, there's literally so many different things that come into play. Like, I've pretty much looked the same way for my, not looked the same way for my entire life, but it's like, my body has kind (laughs) of looked like this for like, yeah, pretty much for all of my running, like for the past 10 years, like I haven't really gained weight I haven't really lost weight like I've pretty much looked like the same the same way like I'm pretty like I you know like I my body hasn't like yeah like it's pretty yeah it's pretty stable and pretty consistent so um yeah I feel like I feel like most of my friends in my circle have a pretty like healthy healthy mindset that's kind of overall all over the place with that answer (laughs) it's it's helpful though and it's good to hear that that exists. You know, I think so many people feel stuck because they feel like they're just hearing the same diet things from people. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's helpful to know. I mean, I feel the same way I do. I'm lucky to have a lot of friends who are really solid with their food and body image. And so it's out there search for those people, I guess is what I would say to anyone. Like even in the running world, you can find normalcy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I could just keep rambling for hours. This is like, (laughs) Just the best. I could keep talking to you about so many things, but since we're literally coming up on an hour, um, (laughs) I do want to wrap up. And if somebody is listening to this and having that inspired experience that you had watching a marathon for the first time and they're like, I want to run, what would your biggest tips be for a brand new runner who is wanting to get into this world? Oh my gosh. I would be so excited for them. Um, (laughs) I think... I think the most important thing would be to not get discouraged. I think it's really easy to get discouraged and give up pretty easy on when you are not a runner and you want to become a runner because it's really hard at the beginning. And especially if you are seeing people online running and you're seeing someone who runs 20 miles and they make it look look really effortless, which it is not. But like you're seeing all these people who run so far and you're like, well, shoot, I can't even run. 10 minutes and you've been trying for two weeks and it's still really hard as heck. And you're like, well, maybe I'm just not a runner. That's not true. So I would just encourage you to give it time and stay consistent and not to give up because it it really does just take, then reverse those. It really does take time in staying consistent and disciplined with running to become a runner. And I promise that like none of us became runners overnight. Like I mentioned at the beginning, And I tried to mention that it took me like four months for a specific reason, because I want people to know that like, I didn't fall in love with the sport after only running for three times. Like it wasn't this like miraculous thing where all of a sudden I just felt like I was running on clouds because that's not how it works. And I still have bad days, but for someone who's new, I think it can just be so hard. And quite frankly, like running is not fun when you're, when you don't have that like aerobic base built to run like it sucks it's literally so hard and so I would just encourage someone to run for time um if you're really struggling don't go oh I'm gonna try and run for a mile I would really like stay I you know don't know how long someone can run for but you know say you're gonna go out and run for five minutes without walking and just keep building from there you know mm-hmm. run for five minutes walk for run walk for one um, then build it up to run for eight minutes and walk for one you just keep building from there and keep running for time until you can get to a you know get to 30 minutes and then if you want to start running for miles because that's more rewarding for you then that's great but I really encourage the running for time versus miles at the beginning um, so I think that's a better 
like measure um, of your yeah. endurance and really just stay consistent with it. You don't, you don't need to be running every single day. In fact, you shouldn't be running every single day. Like you can't right. just go out and start running every single day. You should just be running a few times a week and working on that goal and yeah, just stay consistent. And I prom I promise if you put in the work um, in a couple months, you'll be able to look back and be like, whoa, like when I first started, I was only running for five minutes and now I'm running for 30 minutes. That is freaking yeah. incredible. So yeah, that's it's my advice. It's so true. It's so true. And those are such great tips. And also like there's no age limit. And I, yeah. I mean, I don't consider myself old, but I ran my first half marathon in my sophomore year of college and it was fairly easy like because I had been playing sports in high school and mm -hmm. I stayed um you know kept up with running in college it was fairly easy to train for that and although you'll appreciate this that half marathon was my like first trail run ever it was a trail half and I didn't train on any trails I only ran on the roads and it was oh my so gosh. freaking hard <laughs> It's so Another, hard. Like, the trails are so idea. much harder. Yeah, they're so, so hard. hard. <laughs> yeah, so I did I did that and I was like, cool, half marathon. Like, yeah, I can do this. And then during COVID, I was signed up for a race in like spring of 2020. So I thought it was going to happen. Mm. I was training for it and it was a half and I hadn't done a half since college. And so when I got to like the day of running five miles and six mile, I think it was the six mile, first six mile run, I could not make it to six miles. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just done. Like, I'm never going to be able to run a half again. And then I ended up running a marathon. Like you can get it back, yeah. even though it was yep. however many years post-college, post like I still did it. You know, it took time, it took effort and consistency. Yeah. And like, yes, I got past that five mile mark again. So whatever the mark is, yep. like you can get there. You can do it. Yes, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip. And Anything ultra specific, meaning that sounds like super specific, specific to ultras, if, <laughs> as specific as you can, if somebody, <laughs> yeah, we really dial into that. Yes. <laughs> if anybody wants to run an ultra marathon for the first time, Ooh. what's the one thing they should know? Oh my gosh. Get ready to sacrifice your life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I mean... I learned so much along the way. So I feel like anything I say is like, not going to be something you like couldn't find online, <laughs> but um, okay. the, like the back-to-back -back long runs were huge for me training for the ultra, which now for the, I thought they were a lot for the 50 K. Now my, my world has been rocked for the 50 miler with the two runs <laughs> on the Saturday and Sunday. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like naive Molly. Wow. You didn't even know you did not even know. <laughs> um, yeah. But doing the two runs on Saturday and Sunday, I think really helped me. Um, I'm in Austin, which, you know, you can definitely, you can definitely find Hills in Austin, but not compared to San Francisco, which is where I ran my 50K. So wow. um, I feel like staying super consistent and diligent with the Saturday-Sunday runs really helped me. And then also just um, staying, like, really focused with my strength training. The training for the 50K was the first time I really, like, dove into a super, like, regimented strength training plan and – um, I saw a lot of like success from it. I felt like super strong going into it. And I think that really helped me like 
I mean, the hills were awful, but I guess I still in a way like <laughs> conquered them because I, I survived the 50K and felt really, really you good did. finishing it. Everyone was shocked. My heart rate was only like 140 the entire wow. like race. Like I was like, I was pretty chill the entire time. Like I felt really good the entire yeah. time. So um, yeah, I think if you want to get into, I think everyone is really intimidated by ultras and I mean- I, I get, I was too, I was terrified. I literally, I was terrified. I was so scared. And like, I'm so scared again. Like this is a whole nother beast, but um, like we were talking about, like it's a completely different environment and marathons are a little more like competitive just because there's so many people out there for time and there aren't that many people out at ultras for time. It's really just the people like in the very front who are, you're not ever going to yeah. see them again once they sprint away from the starting line. So it's like everyone out there really wants you to succeed. So I would say if you're interested in ultras, like just go for it. You're going to figure it out along the way. There are still things for my 50 mile row that I need to figure out soon and I'm two weeks away from it. So you will <laughs> figure it out. Like don't be nervous. I was nervous. And like, I promise if I can figure, I like literally, if I can figure it out, you can figure it out. The thing that I have been like trying to reiterate to everyone is like, you do not have to be a fast runner to go far. Like the mentality that you have to be like a speedy runner in order to run these distances is so dumb. And I don't know where that came from. And so I just like want to reassure people that if I can run these distances, you can too. So my advice would be if you want to do it, you should do it. And then if you decide to do it, stay diligent with your training plan. That's really like the most important thing. It's really easy to, it's, it's tough. Training for them is really tough and it does take a lot of time, but just stay disciplined and you'll see the hard work pay off on race day. I love it. Such good advice. And follow Molly if you're doing it so that you have that positive inspiration along the way. (laughs) So exciting. I, again, I could ask you a million more things. I'll hold back for now and we'll have to chat another time. This has been so, so fun. Um, I would love for you to just plug yourself, tell everyone where they can follow you if they want to keep up after hearing this. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. This was so fun. Um, Yeah, you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at your running BFF. Yay. Everyone find her there. And are are you keeping up on YouTube? Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Oh gosh, I have a YouTube too. Hold you accountable because I didn't know about it until recently. And I was like, but yes, you can also find me on YouTube at um, Molly at your running BFF as well. And some vlogs will be coming sometime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever. And we will be anxiously awaiting them. (laughs) Amazing. Well, by the time this is out, good luck on your race like tomorrow. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's wild. <laughs> Yay, so exciting. And you'll have to keep us posted on how it goes with the recap after. Stay stay tuned for that. <laughs> <laughs> and all the takeaways, everything you learn in the next oh 15 gosh. days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> so excited. Well, thank you so much for chatting. This was the best. Thank you again so much for having me. I had so much fun. 
I have so much fun putting this podcast together for you, which is purely just for fun, but I also want to make sure you know that my full-time work is running my private practice, Michelle Pilipich Nutrition, where both myself and my associate dietitian, Nicole, work with clients one-on-one to help improve their health and wellness, their relationship with food, their relationship with exercise, their fueling for exercise, um, moving away from disordered eating into intuitive eating so that you can really be your healthiest self without stressing about it and while still maintaining flexibility to live your life and have fun. So if you feel like you are thinking about food more than you want to be, you're stressing about it more than you want to be, you're obsessing over your weight, or if you feel like you're just not sure if you're eating the right amount for you, for your level of exercise, if you're struggling with body image, any of those things, please reach out. We do have some spots open for one-on-one clients, and I would love to help you out and help you on that road to really feeling comfortable and confident that you are doing the best thing for your health without having to stress. So links are in the show notes for my website where you can read more about my services as well as the link to book a free discovery call, which is a like 15, 20 minute chat with me to talk about what you're looking for, what I offer, my approach, answer any questions so that you can really find out if this will be a good fit. And if it is, we can work together. So check out those links if you are looking for support with your nutrition. And there you have it. That is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it and had some good takeaways. If you did, I would love to hear what's resonating for you. Send me a DM on Instagram or share the episode to your stories and tag me so that I can see that you're listening and hopefully loving it. You can also share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy it and spread some intuitive eating love to everyone around you. As always, five-star ratings and reviews are so appreciated, so you can drop me one of those. Be sure to also check out the show notes for all the links that I mentioned and more information on myself and my nutrition private practice. Other than all that, I hope you have a great day and a great week, and I will catch you in the next episode.